Welcome to Eyes Wide Open. We are multifaceted beings living in a multidimensional existence, and we hold the power of perception. This power alone paints our reality. Perception influences things we see and the things we don't see. Together, we'll explore the mystical and the material, the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Hi, I'm Janessa Finley-Ford. I'm one of your hosts this evening, and I'm an empowerment coach and healer who guides leaders, healers, and high achievers to turn their obstacles into outcomes, their trials into triumphs, and master the art of being human as they embody their next level. And I'm SJ. I'm a certified crystal healer and shamanic earth and energy medicine practitioner who really helps people release themselves from their family lineage, genetic constraints, patterns, and really come into their own and regain their self-confidence and their soul's purpose. Uh, today, we're going to talk about money and the energetics behind it. But before we get into that, we always start out with a funny story. And while Janessa and I were working together, I don't even remember which pattern we were working, but... <laughs> The uh, epiphany, learning, tangible that came through for me was, well, I always give people options. I don't tell them what to do. I just give them options when I'm upset. And then I started laughing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. But the options that I give them are both terrible. And it's like making them choose between a rotten apple or a rotten orange. And being like, well, I gave you options. What's the problem? You have a rotten apple or a rotten orange. Choose quick. Make your decision. I didn't tell you what you had to do. I just gave you two trash options to choose from. Uh, so <laughs> it was a great learning for me that came in of really kind of getting out of my own way and moving into or away from that forcefulness and into my own power and empowerment and doing the same in return. This has really been the season for me of setting compassionate boundaries. And let me tell you, those learnings have been a ride for the last couple of months, uh, but so worth it and one that I'm glad that I have been on. Yeah, this has been a season for you. And it's so cool to see you work through some of those. <laughs> like my... Uh, What is the, the dump? It's like my dump. It's like your version of my version of the dump. Like rotten apples, rotten oranges. It's so interesting how we get caught in these blinders of I'm actually really helping people. I'm being so reasonable. And we're actually full out protecting ourselves and we just don't see it. Um, as a share a quick money story that isn't about real money, but SJ was me. I had a few people together and someone for my birthday last week sent me a cake and it came in a box and the outside of the box is a jackpot. And there's a little strip on the top and you pull it. And so I had SJ do this, like pull the strip, and it started singing the money, 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 money song. And it was making a noise that nothing was happening. And <laughs> the, the box, the case had like Monopoly type money in it and a little money distributor. So it like rained money down on you. And it was really awesome when it worked and way less 
awesome and a little underwhelming when it didn't. And so I'm like, wait, <laughs> it's supposed to work. So I took the the money raining machine part out of the box and I'm like, it's got to do something. Like I must have put the money back in here wrong or something. Eventually it rained Monopoly money. So for anyone who's interested in a little manifestation tool out there, rain some money down on yourself and embody, embody receiving. So everything is spiritual. Everything in the physical is actually spiritual. I posted this on my page this week because it's so true. I think it's also so fitting for this month of us talking about money energetics within the Stronger Together community and really taking a deep dive into aligning our our money energetics. So where would you like to start in this topic of spirituality, money, seen and unseen? We see the tangible money in our hands. And there's so much more going on behind the scenes to be aligned with receiving it. Well, I think sometimes one of the biggest hurdles that people have or almost that like limiting belief that comes in is greed. Is it greedy to want to have that money or that monetary ability to do what you need to do with it? Um, there's, I feel like there's so much shame that comes forward with like wanting that aspect of financial abundance and the money too, that it's almost like a built-in healers, but I think especially people who are practitioners or on that healing journey away from finding that financial freedom to be able to devote themselves 100% to their true soul's calling. So I almost feel like it's one of the most beautifully designed things that the devil, whatever that energetic is, has come up with to keep people out of their soul's calling and their soul's purpose. How do you feel about that and the greed aspect? Uh, it hits the nail on the head for me. I have had to do a ton of work around money for me to feel comfortable receiving money, uh, to be in the flow of money, to have it come in and go out, to go out and come in for that to feel comfortable and balanced and not set my nervous system into a flipping tizzy. Um, and it will maybe get into this topic more later, but it is very, very different between my husband and I and money and what is comfortable for him and what feels like a major risk and danger to my nervous system in the way that I manage money. Um, so that has been very interesting. But, yeah, a, a big portion of the work that I have done has revolved around all of those things. So feeling greedy, the shame, and then having such a huge, what I viewed creating a gap between my government career and my my soul's purpose. And then all of the stories that rippled out that not all of them dealt with money, but affected money. So coming to believe that I am a great business owner that I know how to run a business, how to make business decisions, and, you know, all of that's connected to money, yet I did very well in my government career and felt like I didn't know how to run a business or how to make money if I were embodying the true purpose of why I'm here and navigating that gap. That has been a whole journey for me personally. 
I love the people who are so easily aligned with money. That has not been my reality. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I've had a little bit of sort of an opposite experience, of course, right? Like, I feel like we're on different places I, on the spectrum, and I think that's part of what we bring together so beautifully and stronger together is our parallel yet opposite paths that we've taken. I've always found it insanely easy to make money, to bring money in, but then I've had a harder time keeping it, like holding on to it, building that wealth or that generational wealth that can come with it. So like my flow of money has been fantastic coming in, but it seems like it oftentimes goes out just as quickly as it came in. Uh, whereas I look at you and like, you're amazing at saving money, you know, and really getting through like without having debts build up credit, all of that kind of stuff too. Uh, so what do you think is the difference or the main thing that keeps that money coming in, but also leaves just as swiftly? I'll give our listeners one guess and it starts with an E. <laughs> so... <laughs> Of course, my first go-to with this is the Enneagram, especially in seeing um, so many similarities between you and my husband. Obviously, a test group of two isn't necessarily the best, but the the most frugal within the Enneagram, and the Enneagram doesn't use the word frugal. That's my word because we use the word it uses, avarice, I think, but I'm so not confident with that word that I didn't want to leave with it. So... You, can, you all can Google if you're not sure what I'm talking about, because I might not be sure what I'm talking about either. Um, but the Enneagram 5 is the most frugal. Enneagram 1s are also more of savers. But, you know, this doesn't necessarily help, like, any of us out, because there's an energetic balance in a current. So if you think about a river flowing, it, there needs to be that flow. And if you are just holding on to your money and, like, white-knuckling it, no matter what you're doing in life with that, you're cutting off the flow. You know, it's like you're damming up a portion of the river and essentially cutting yourself off from the majority of the flow. That doesn't necessarily serve you unless you built so much wealth that you can just make unlimited wealth from the wealth that you already have created. <laughs> That's the only advantage of that, really. <laughs> So um, on the opposite side of that also is there's just so much flow, like maybe more flow going out than coming in. And so that can also create imbalance. And with money, like the basis of money, to have a healthy relationship with money and to have a balanced flow, you do want to save, to spend, and to give. And research shows, so, you know, biblically, if we look toward a more religious standpoint, the Bible is very clear about tithing 10%. Research shows, however, that even donating as little as 1% will actually create more wealth for you. So, save, send, give. Save, send, give. That's the magic formula from a physical, practical standpoint. However, the energetics, the mindset, what's going on behind the scenes is a big factor in getting your give, spend, uh, save, 
formula locked in into that balance of being. <clears throat> so looking at some other <laughs> limiting thoughts around money tied to spirituality, uh, you know, also looking at those quite honestly through my, my own personal lens and upbringing, right, and religious background. So there is a lot of belief ingrained in me that having prosperity wasn't virtuous. Like you talked about the greed. It even went deeper into a value set of, you know, like, it's going to make you a bad person, really speaks to my Enneagram 1 programming, too, because I move away strongly from anything that might make me a, quote, bad person. And then the worthiness, not feeling worthy of having money or spending it on myself. And the grind, the grind and the struggle to make money is so very real. Like, I have done very, very well within my career when that was the programming. I worked a lot of hours, 60, 70 hours a week for years. It's just what you do. The money comes in as long as I'm working my tail off and I have very limited time to have pleasure or enjoy life, then there's money. And when I decided to embrace more of the feminine creation energy behind money, and to take a different approach, that transition came with some pause. <laughs> it's like, I felt like, honestly, I took probably 20 steps backwards. And no one really prepared me for that until I found uh, one particular money coach who's really, really, really transparent with her numbers, the process, everything she went through. In she had a really big change in her life and that things tanked and went down and down and down and down to like, okay, I'm broke and I'm going to have to essentially go get a job. And then she had her major breakthrough and she was financially sound. And so I really appreciate like people talking about the reality of money because I feel like there's so many people out there who want to say like, oh yeah, just do the energetics, do the mindset. It's all going to be good. Like up and up and up only. Like I really love to lock in that belief of up and up and up only. And also let's talk about what is the reality that happens behind the scenes when you shift from the programming that you've always held, especially if you're grinding and like making money through force and you want to attract and have more pleasure and flow in your wealth creation. What's been your experience with that? For one, like from the healing side of it, being a practitioner, there's always those personalities or individuals who really believe that you should give freely. You should give your gifts freely. You shouldn't be charging what you charge. There's a lot of shame that comes in from certain communities around healing, like, oh my gosh, if you can heal people and you can release their money constraints or help them with this genetic issue, you should always do that for free. Everyone should have access to that. They should never um, not have access and be able to reach it, which it's kind of a double edge, like it's like that double blind for me. One, 
if somebody needs something just from the laws of attraction and energetics, they will have access to it. And I know that sounds a little bit like woo-woo-wee or a little out there or, you know, first world concept. But if you can release a lot of the lack mindsets that come in, whether that's around health, finances, or money, you'll be able to reach whatever you need in the moment. Now, maybe it's not the exact item that you think you want or need in the moment, but whatever your needs are with that, it will be provided. And I also just don't feel like practitioners or energy healers have no value. You know, a lot of us have put in so much time to learn our gifts, to hone our gifts, to, I mean, there's a financial exchange, at least for, I know, both of us individually from what we've done as far as a training aspect or understanding that there is for sure monetary from our end on an energetics to get to where we are. And practitioners have value, healers have value, and they should be able to charge uh, for their value. Now, I'm not saying you don't give, right, in return, or that there isn't sometimes those exchanges that don't have a monetary or money aspect. Uh, when you said that there are stages of money, right, the spend, give, save. I love the parallels within our work because one thing that I had took down to talk about today is the lunar phases, and they fall within exactly that, that with the lunar phases and money, there is a time to spend spend, there is a time to give, and there is a time to save. Uh, the new moon specifically is the time to do that new thing, make that new big purchase. That's your spend season. And then you have the full moon energy where it's the time to express gratitude, which is the giving season, to have that exchange where you give to someone else in, an, in, a, in whatever way that looks like for you. And then our waning moon phase, this is the time where you go more reflective and you save what's for you. If you want to quit a job, that's the time to do it during the waning moon energetics. That is when we save. That is when we make those hard choices where there's not something going out or necessarily something coming in. We're going to uh, maintain or hold on to what we have. So just like you talked about with those money energetics, the same thing falls within anybody who's working with the lunar phases as well. Um, I feel like there's always equal and opposite, even when you can't quite see how you're going to get your return uh, to come back. It's amazing to me what the universe or God will provide to us when we are in that state of allowance and lean into faith, even with money. So I'm really curious, this is not necessarily an energetic, but you talked about the energetic exchange, which I think is really, like, that's everything with money. It's just energy, and we attach so many stories to it. But I'm so curious, what is the best experience that money has been able to provide you? What comes to mind? The best experience mm -hmm. that money has been able to provide me. Honestly, it's the courses. Like, if I had to choose, like, how much has come from the courses where I've devoted that money to self-growth, right? Like, I've devoted it to experiencing myself. That is the best exchange of money, and the most amazing experiences have always come from that internal landscape. Uh, so I would say that is the best for me. How about you? I wonder if we pulled healers, if a lot of people would say that, because that's for sure on the top of my list. Um, I do love to travel. So a couple of my trips or vacations would be very near the top. But when I look at 
the long-term, you know, value of the experience, if you will, like the knowledge that I've received, the lifestyle it's provided me, the the results that I get and the satisfaction that I have in life that I would not have had. I mean, my trips were amazing and great and really impactful. And then I come home, right? Mm -hmm. Where also, just like you're saying, the, the content and the courses that I've invested in to have the modalities and certifications has afforded me a mindset, a lifestyle, a way of being that no vacation would ever have given me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I talk about money with clients, I love to approach it from the place of relationship. Like if the money that you have in your hand per se were a friend, what is the story that you would tell about that friendship? Is it like, get over here now, go away. Why can't I trust you? Whenever you get close to me, you abandon me and leave me. You're so un- un- um, unstable and unsteady and unreliable. Like, what does that relationship with money look like? And usually for a lot of people, that really opens them up to a whole different uh, angle or approach of looking at money because we've made it so physical in our society and attached so many stories to bad things happen. Money is the root of all evil, so on and so forth. So what is your approach when you, because I mean chakras and maybe not quite so much um, the, the dialogue in your sessions <laughs> comparatively, I, I know you have an entirely different yeah, approach to working with clients. So I want to hear about it. Tell me, when it comes to money thing, where's kind of your starting point? Starting point for me is always, this is going to sound crazy probably, but what is the underlying emotion that they feel when they're connecting to money? What do you feel? I feel like anger is most often the one that comes up, but there's always something beneath that anger. So when we're looking at that emotional stance, any emotion helps me connect it to specifically a chakra. Where are you holding those emotions? Where do those trapped selves live? There could be dialogue in there as well if we are talking about family patterns, right? Genetic lineage patterns can bring up a lot of money strife, depending upon what your family, what they have felt around money, how they have handled their finances, what was true for them kind of gets passed on forward. So if there has been disharmony with relationships, this is where like shamanic journeying would have a little bit more dialogue of what patterns are actually coming up. And then through that, of course, the chakra systems, right? If you're like, oh my God, I just feel terrible every time I take money from someone for this. Obviously we're working with your solar plexus. Like we are going to rock that solar plexus and open it up to where you no longer feel that trepidation or that shame of, oh my gosh, like this is just a dent in my armor of perfection. You know, if we're working with our lovely Enneagram ones, right? Uh, what are we doing with that? So oftentimes the solar plexus can hold it. Sometimes there's the egomaniac side of like, oh, I can make more money. I can get what I want. You know, I'll just make more, whatever. I lost that. I'll get more. I'll get more. I'll get more. I'll get more. We're working with our head, right? So we're probably looking at a spiritual disconnection between that and taking a look at the crown. So there are a lot of 
clues that the chakras can tell us once we know the underlying mindset, but also emotional attachment to what their money concerns are coming around. And then, of course, getting into the family lineage stuff with the shamanic journeys will tell us even more and probably give us even some uh, insight into past lives, too. So past life regression could come into play with that, too, to release anything from the past lives, alternate timelines that we have going on, the family genetics, and then what our chakras are holding. I feel like the chakras are always the keys. And the more I work with the chakras, the more I understand that the true key is actually the emotions that are beneath them. I love, I really feel like this is what sets your approach apart, um, especially where my research of the chakras is, I would say, surface level compared to yours. I've read books, but, we're, you know, we're on very different levels with that. And I feel as though the majority of the material that I have seen tends to take money to material to root chakra automatically. And I think so many people out there who are more at that entry level with the chakras would really be working with their root chakra a whole lot around money balancing and money energetics. And that's not necessarily (laughs) the ticket, the key to unlock. So that is specifically why I asked you that question. And I would have wagered about $100 that you would not have started at the root. (laughs) I would not, unless you told me you had a deep fear of having money or not having enough. If we were working with that very lack-based mentality, perhaps uh, the root chakra could come into play, but it's never going to be just the root chakra. There's always going to be another one that comes to play with it too, depending on what else we're working with. Yeah, that's so cool. So cool. So when we look at society, TV, Right, We have a lot of things in our world around us to give us very specific thoughts and beliefs around money. So you see these movies, and they're, you know, robbing banks and hurting people and drug cartels, and money gets highlighted in a really negative way. And then you turn on the news, and it's the same story. And we hear all about, I even talked about it somewhat with the systems referring to they and the elites and the people in the world who have the majority of the money that want to design our, um, oh, geez, I'm drawing a blank, but like businesses, everything that encompasses the world around us, right? So that it benefits their profit line and profit margins. And this is really a call for those of us who have this virtuous integrity to have or bring in a lot of money because we're going to be the ones that are going to do good with the money. Like if there's anyone out there who should have money, It's those of us who want to make the world a better place. And so to flip the, a lot of the 
rhetoric out there upside down, which is what we're all about here. We'll take everything really. <laughs> we live that unconventional, like let's actually talk about the truth because it's not what they want us to believe. This is a part of that too. Flipping all that rhetoric upside down, that really the best way to serve is to be able to make the money, be in the flow, give it away to the virtuous places and spaces and other people that are, you know, in that tide, a rising tide lifts all boats that want the tide to rise and aren't trying to dry out the sea and turn it into a desert. Exactly. I love how you go into that too, like from your work and how you can tie a lot. I mean, you've done amazing episodes on this radio show too, and even in Stronger Together as well on laws of attraction and how, like, where the money's coming from, what you're doing with the money, how you are sending it out has such applications to the energetics. You know, if you are one of those drug lords, you know, transferring it wherever, that energy exchange is going to come back in detrimental manners as well. So, I mean, they don't get free and clear. And if you look at their lifestyles and often some of the things that happen, I think you can very quickly see that equal and opposite exchange with the laws of attraction that come to play with that. So being very intentional and purposeful with how we are also spending our money, what we are supporting. Uh, I love how you've tied in all of the laws of attractions in previous episodes into how that exchange and what we're doing with what we have really, really matters too. It does really matter. <clears throat> if you're supporting, oh, like I can't help myself but get on a soapbox for like two minutes here. If you're supporting big businesses over small businesses, there's a big difference that's going to happen out there in the world with that ripple effect. What they're supporting, you know, it turns you into being a checker at their store versus living your own purpose, your own dream, your own passion, which is what we're out here trying to swim through all of the money mindset beliefs around, you know, we're not worthy to be making money doing the things that we love. We're supposed to grind. Like the, the system and the cycle is set up for that. And the more and more people who can interrupt that and you interrupt it by investing in the small businesses, supporting the people around you. And it, you know, I know that we're not in 1920 anymore. I totally get it. I'm totally tethered and aware of the decade that I live in. But if you think back to before money was the paper currency, which I've also talked about in past radio shows, when it was barter and trade, there were communities and people supported people, not big corporations who you don't even know who owns it, what they stand for, what they're doing with their profits, what they're investing in, how those investments tie into wars in different countries and how they're profiting off of those wars in different countries. Like, guys, this is so much bigger than I'm just going to make a run to Walmart and get, a, like, some hygiene products and something to eat in the morning and some new bath towels. Like, literally the ripple effect of where you spend your money makes a profound difference in the world. And that is just one, like, I don't want to say it's small, but it's an easy shift to make of money energetics to start planting seeds in different places. And sure, maybe it's going to cost you three or four more dollars to buy a towel or some hygiene products through someone who makes it handmade or a local business, a small business, but you're supporting a family 
and not the you don't even know what they're investing in situation. So that's my rant, my rants, my risk on the impact of where we spend our dollar and how we can invest in other people living their sole mission and their sole purpose and how that's going to be an investment that returns to you. Um, as I talked about in the episode on the law of giving and receiving, it can be a little bit challenging to wrap your mind around with money specifically. It's easier, like I gave the example of giving a hug. Like when you give a hug, it's pretty impossible to not receive a hug in return. Um, so money is the same way. When you get your money mindset wrapped around, like every time I release money, I'm receiving it. You're in that flow. Yeah, when you're working with clients, what is one of the main obstacles or stumbling blocks that you most commonly encounter around money mindset? Mm, wow. Well, a lot of the things that we've talked about already, of course, um, and definitely where you started with the greed and the shame and spiritual, spiritual energy. Uh, but to branch the conversation out a little bit further, instead of rewinding and repeating what we've already talked about, another common place I see is the family dynamics around money. And especially if it's, you know, female women perhaps out earning their spouse, what dynamic and potentially self-worth is going to be wrapped up in that for their partner, if there's really traditional gender uh, ideology or um, roles being played within that relationship, potentially stress, fighting within the family of who has the money, who doesn't have money. If you're making a lot of money, you should be giving it to your family, even though maybe the reason that they haven't created their own money wealth is because of their own limiting beliefs, bad spending habits, et cetera, et cetera. But because you're good at bringing it in, then you should be giving it or leaking it out um, to support all. And so there can be a ton of family dynamics wrapped up in that. And then the spiritual energy underneath, behind, around, interwoven into that too is that like fighting war energy that Wealth is, you know, it's hard and it's a fight and um, money and family is a fight and all of this fighting energy. And I think I've talked about it here on the radio show. If I haven't for sure talked about it in Stronger Together, you know, you don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with water. And so when we get caught in that fighting energy, whatever we're ensnaring with the fight is not going to actually support the outcome that would be peaceful and profitable and, you know, enjoyable. I know you do a lot of work with the reparenting of the internal parents, too. Does that sometimes touch the money aspects that come to play as well? That's a really great question. So not very often does it directly hold characteristics around money. Um, but indirectly, it would. So if there's an absent parent, you know, like if someone was raised with a, um, you know, we'll say a father who wasn't in the picture at all, 
then for sure from that absent standpoint, it does. Or if they had, again, we'll say the father just because of the masculine provider energy, but we all have masculine energy, so this is not gender specific. Um, if the father, I've worked with a client uh, reparenting where the father just really wasn't reliable, didn't make a lot of money steadily, and as a grown woman, she was supporting her father. Um, we worked that, but it wasn't from the financial standpoint. It was about more of the characteristics of reliability, um, that steadiness in their energy and self-accountability. Um, and so it does ripple. And that's the great, great thing about the muscle testing is that we get underneath what we think it would be on the surface, just like you're talking about comparatively with the chakras. Like you're not just going to solely support the root chakra or necessarily even start there because there's other things to consider and to take into effect. And so with the muscle testing, it lets me get into the root of it versus sitting on the surface level and just working, you know, the energetics behind not having a parent who was a study provider or income earner. So I would love to hear more about your work or your approach around genetics and money. How does that connect and play? Does it at all? It does. Uh, I feel like genetics connects to everything. Uh, that's one of the places where I've devoted a lot of my energy to kind of figuring out connecting in with. Whenever there's an underlying genetic concern, typically what we see is the org field is also open, where we are giving away energetics that are, are our own and then also taking on the energies from other people, other, inter, other entities as well coming to play. So like the spiritual interference is so much stronger with anyone that has a genetic condition going on because of that auric field component coming to play. So whenever their auric field is open, money is a currency, money is energy. If your energy is very like willy-nilly, sometimes it's in your field, sometimes it's over in Egypt, sometimes it's hanging out in whatever Pluto planet, wherever it's at, and then you're taking on the energetics of someone else. Essentially, you are taking on their money mindset aspects or limitations that are coming to play too. So you can't get a good barometer typically on how to make money, how to hold it in a manner that feels balanced for you. And like genetics just affects everything because of that auric field aspect that it's so hard to get clarity on anything or keep that focus or maintain that physical health, emotional health, or the spiritual health. So anytime there's a genetic uh, concern coming to play, that's always going to be our priority to take care of so that that way we don't have that work field limitation and the neurology, like the neurological pathways get take a heavy hit whenever there's something genetic coming to play as well. So really getting all of those pathways rewired um, if you guys are in Stronger Together, you know that I work quite a bit with the individual cells all the way down to the neutrons, electrons, and protons and getting them vibrating at different levels. 
a lot of our money patterns are certainly held within the protons and electrons and even the neutrons of our cells. Uh, so there's a ton of genetics and scientific aspects that come into my work. But anytime we have something genetic, that's always going to be our priority to go ahead and get those energetics cleaned up so that you are keeping your energy to yourself and keeping out energetics that aren't yours so that we are literally only playing ball in your field and not 5,000 other fields. And sometimes it's 10,000 and sometimes it's 50. Listen to what this woman's saying. Like this is the biggest game changer for your personal growth in a quantum leap fashion. Because when, like she just said, when you're processing energy that isn't yours or carrying it around, it gets complicated and it is going to weigh you down. It's like dragging around luggage that you didn't even pick up on purpose along the way and you're just toting it around. So I feel like it's something we, we like talk about and mention because it really is important. I just wanted to, like, flashing neon sign. If you guys don't check if your aura opens, like, this is one of those unseen things. Call it woo. Call it crazy. I don't even care what you call it. But especially for empaths, I think that this is a big reason of why empaths have more challenge with their sensitivities because, a big thing that's coming into play is their auric field is opening and who checks their auric field until I had a well-trained practitioner teach this to me, never in my wildest dreams in learning muscle testing, would I have ever sat there and thought, Oh, maybe I should check and see if my auric field is open or closed. <laughs> but it's like going back to the farm days. I'm my little farm kid, and you close the gate so the cows don't get out. Or other animals, like, you can't keep everything out. But the analogy almost fits. Like, you definitely keep a lot of things out. So you keep it out, you keep yours in, and you move through life so much more smoothly. It's a big deal. And so there's my two cents on that. Yeah, and I would say even, you know, like, I feel like there's so much out there about empaths and narcissists. You know, and obviously good versus bad. One thing's good, one thing's bad. The narcissist, though, as well, like they're dealing with open auric fields. That's why they're functioning the way they're functioning, which is why they continue to be almost those energy vampires because their energy is who knows where. It's everywhere. It's getting splatted and splurted all over everybody. And when that happens, they try to fill that void with healthy tissue or healthy energetics. And that's where that take energy comes from, where they're pulling the good vibes or the good energetics from those empaths or anybody around them, too. So, I mean, not to, you know, give any excuses for anyone, but both paradigms of the empath and the narcissist are probably dealing commonly if they feel that overwhelm or the trigger are dealing with open auric fields. Uh, would be a place that we would want to start to see what's going on. And there are certainly techniques in between healing the root, which is always going to be the best solution, right, to heal that root cause. But there are quite a few techniques that in the interim that you can do to make sure that that work field is being cleansed and sealed as well. And a lot of those techniques are held, I think all of them, 
I think we have them all in the intervention library at this point uh, within Stronger Together, but certainly the selenite cleansing and sweeping of the auric field, UFO holding, Janessa, I think is one of them that you go to often to seal that back up uh, as well. But there's a lot of mediation techniques that we can do too uh, in the interim of healing that root cause as well. Yeah. Energy hygiene. It's real. You don't just brush your teeth and comb your hair. Like, take care of your energy, too, my friends. Um, well, we have a little bit more time as we get close to the top of the hour. Did you have other topics around the money energetics that you wanted to get into specifically? Um, just a little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about crystals and money because, I mean, when you hear, oh, my gosh, I want to manifest, I want to get money, you're probably going to hear things like citrine, pyrite, maybe malachite, maybe. I, sometimes I don't often see that. I feel like the main two that I always see are pyrite and citrine. And that's great for certain aspects. But definitely pendulum or muscle testing, the right crystal is going to be far superior to those common ones that we typically hear pyrite is going to go straight to that root so just like janessa said if you're you know google searching chakras for money mindset it's probably going to come up with root you're probably going to see um pyrite come up with that and i think that's great if what you're working with is a fear-based response to money i think that's fantastic you should totally work with the pyrite and the root for the rest of us and i would even argue that probably the greater majority are not dealing with root chakra issues. When you are looking at crystals, there are amazing ones uh, that can help you get to what's actually going on. Janessa says this all the time. There's always a spiritual reason for any physical uh, concerns that we have going on. Apophyllite is one that I would absolutely take a look at if you're looking at money mindset because it really gets to the spiritual aspects of what, why are we having issues with money? What's going on? You'll get very clear if there is past life concerns coming in with that, even uh, ancestral can come forward. But when we're looking at the ancestral aspects, like if you look at your family line and can kind of see that money is been, has been a struggle for a hot minute for people. Take a look at Numite. You guys would probably feel like I'm a broken record, but I'm telling you, Numite is the like end all be all. If I have to pick one crystal for the rest of my life, Numite is what I'm going to look at. And then also Bloodstone. I really, really love Bloodstone anytime we're looking at uh, money concerns from an ancestral stance. Uh, so those would be my main crystals that I would look at if we were trying to find a uh, a money root cause, but pendulum muscle testing, which crystal is best for you is always going to be amazing. And if you feel confusion, then fluorite and specifically the Colorado fluorite with the amethyst that grows on it. Uh, that is my favorite for getting really, really clear on where we need to be looking or what we need to be doing, what we need to feel, identify all those things. So I just wanted to touch a couple of those crystals before we move forward in the show, too. So I have one last limiting belief, if you will. There's so many, though. Like, when you literally, my friends, listen to the way you talk about money, your words, the slang you use, all of that will really highlight how you think about money. When your scarcity mindset kicks in, like, oh, I don't have the money to whatever, 
There's a difference between choosing to invest in an experience, an item, whatever, and telling yourself you don't have the money for it. Like, huge difference between saying, I'm not going to purchase that versus I don't have. And I feel like this is still, it's been so ingrained in me from my very young age that it's still something at certain points in time that will kick in for me. And I have to stop and I'm like, no, reset. Like, is this something that I want to spend my money on? And I'm going to stay in my power and own that. And I'm not going to play small or try to push off a factor on something else. I'm just going to own, like, I don't actually want to go do that experience with my friends because the value exchange for me personally, it's not there. Um, But that was a little bit of a sidetrack. The one big uh mindset around money that I wanted to leave you all with. I think it's in a song even, more money, more problems. This is another really common mindset that is out there in society, in our culture, that a lot of us pick up without really sitting and thinking about that until you sit and think about it. And the truth is money gives you choice. Money gives you decisions. Money gives you opportunity. There will be problems in your world if that's the way you look at situations and circumstances because problems alone is a whole nother mindset for a whole nother episode about rewriting the way we look at the world. But if you link and connect money to problems, you will for sure not want money. But if life is going to be life and give you opportunities to learn from, then you might as well have as many opportunities and choices and decisions that you can have because when you have more money, you're going to have more opportunities and choices as well. And so I really challenge people to look into their own mindset around money with the things we've talked about outside of the things we've talked about here today. Um, gosh, I have this whole full long list. I think we could do a whole nother episode, but I know we're going to get into these things deeper tomorrow and stronger together in our group call and our healing call and support people with working the spiritual, mental, emotional, physical energies around all of this that we talked about here today and even more so that they can cultivate that that trust, that close connection, money can become their best friend and be supportive and reliable and trustworthy. Uh, So if you are interested in joining the Stronger Together community, you will be able to catch those calls in the archives, probably by the time you're listening to this recording. Um, And if you're listening to us here live, you can jump in there tomorrow evening as well and join us. Um, Did you want to do any meditation as we wrap up here today for people or what are you thinking? Let's do a real quick one. Let's do a quick one so that we can connect and get some information and release our priorities. So everybody take a nice deep breath in. Exhaling slowly. 
And then go ahead and drop right into the center of that heart chakra, right in the center of the chest. This is a beautiful area called the God spot where a piece of the divine lives within each of us. And let's just go ahead and affirm our own spirit who we truly are and have always been. And affirm our connection to all of our positive helping spirits, ancestors, angels, and spirit guides. And then finally, affirming our connection to that God energy, the greater spirit, the universe, whatever you call that unconditional love energy, just can affirm our connection and access to that energy at all times. And we're going to work with a concept called absolute scalar waves, just free energy that is all around us actually scientifically proven to exist by Nikolai Tesla. So just to visualize pulling in all of those that free energy. They can look like little bubbles just hanging out around you in your sphere. Pull in those absolute scalar waves into that heart center. And with it, we're just going to pull in the ability to release any limiting beliefs that we have around money, our ability to get it, make it, our ability to hold on to it, to create more, and really pulling in more of those to release any concepts or limiting beliefs we have around being deserving of having wealth and the financial means to do or live our soul's purpose. And then I want you just to visualize your entire body filling up with yellow light energy. And then I want you to push that yellow light out as far away from you as you can. Think of the entire room that you're in, pushing it further to fill your entire home or the building that you're residing in. And pushing that yellow light to fill the entire state that you're in, entire world. And then pushing it to extend to all universes of existence. I want you to come back into that heart space, body, Taking a nice deep breath in, exhaling slowly, and then coming back to the here and now, your wholeness, your richness, your fullness with a whole new connection to money and your ability to make it, keep it, and knowing that you deserve it. Wow, what a beautiful way to wrap up episode. So what we'll discuss next time is going to be a bit of a mystery and a surprise, but we will see you next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Central. And in the meantime, friends, keep your eyes wide open.
Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 